Pursuit of Podcast, a purely guest-centric show focusing on people and organizations that advance positive change. Positivity can be anywhere, and in a time of vast discord, the pursuit of is finding those who champion its causes loudest. Join us as we sit and learn about the pursuits of local leaders in their community. Let's go. Hello, good people, and welcome to the Pursuit of Podcast, where it's truly not us, it's you. My name is Ryan Buck, artist development for New Leonard Media. With me is the boss, Mark Wilson, president of New Leonard Media. How are you? Hey, I'm real well. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. All right. So, you know, kind of a bustling, breezy night. That's enough of that. <laughs> <laughs> Our guest today is Miss Holly T. Bird, Supreme Court Justice for the Natawasepi Huron Band of Potawatomi Indians and co-executive director of Title Track and council member for the Northern Michigan E3 Welcome, Holly. Hi, miigwech. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Well, we're very excited to talk to you about what you're doing with Title Track, but I have to start with a little bit of history because in college, you canvassed for an environmental lobbying group focusing on water contamination, which is interesting because canvassed is such a, such a fun, intriguing term. But now you're with Title Track. Is that a coincidence that your focus on water started so early? Not at all. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a Native American woman. I've grown up around water. I grew up in Michigan. And I've always um, had a relationship and have been affected by the water around us. So um, it was very natural for me with growing up with the values of appreciating our relationship with the water and having respect for the water to step into that role as a water protector. Wow. So the stated mission of Title Track is this, engaging creative practice to build resilient social ecological systems that support clean water, racial equity, and youth empowerment. To those uninitiated, what is creative practice? So we, I'm also a founding board member of Title Track, and I recently stepped into the role as a co-executive director. Um, but we were very intentional with using the term creative practice rather than uh, something like the arts. Because the arts is not really an inclusive term for what everybody does in a creative way. Uh, quite often, the arts leaves out cultural practices, cultural creative practices, leaves out uh, ceremony, leaves out different things that um, aren't considered to be a quote-unquote fine art. So we wanted to be inclusive, and we used the term creative practice instead so that we could include everybody. Wow. That's really cool. Thank you. Fine arts. Distinguishing between regular and fine mm-hmm. it seems like a, a a distinction that doesn't need to be made. Right. Interesting. So a big part of Title Tracks' existence is thanks to the Nidawana Research and Education Center, who have their own amazing history. If you read on your website, uh, which is titletrackmichigan.org, you can read about their amazing history. But how did that work? Was that like a merger and an acquisition, or was it something different? So Seth Bernard, who was really the founding visionary for Title Track, um, and is my fellow co-director, had known Bob Russell and Sally Van Vleck from Neotawana for his whole life. And they were both, as members of the Neotawana uh, organization and NREC, they were very inspirational to him. So... When he started sort of shopping this idea about creating Title Track, he spoke to to Sally about it. And Sally was the one that came up with the idea of, hey, you know, we're kind of starting to close down here. 
she she was looking forward to sort of retiring and just running the inn and teaching yoga and thought it would be a great idea if instead of having to to create a brand new 501c3 which as we know takes time and money right. you know um that they we just take over what they had started and so with that um we had a a bunch of really great brainstorming sessions we had a lot of input from Neatawana members mm-hmm. and how did that it was, work, getting input from the members? It, it was really just conversational. You know, it was, uh, everybody was very supportive. There was really no digression whatsoever as far as what we were trying to do and how that meshed with the values that Neatawana had started. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the members of Neatawana have such a long history of activism in the area and their archives are amazing. You know, the things that they've done, the educational materials they've put together. So... The fact that we get to sort of access that when we need it, as well as the enthusiasm and the mentorship is such a gift. And so that's what, that's what Seth kind of brought forward. And to celebrate that, we actually did like an official passing of the torch that was ceremonial. Oh, wow. Um, We, we held an event at the Twin Lakes Lodge with all of the new members and the, and the members of Neatwana. Um, we had a ceremony that involved actually passing a torch and as well as some singing and dancing and um and then we had a celebration. Wow. And then we we also embarked on doing the official, you know, part of it, which was changing the articles of organization. Sure. And reflecting that. All the fun stuff. Yeah. Reflecting a new name change and a new mission. So the ceremony, is that a traditional native ceremony that you can draw on, or did you draw from different uh, ceremonies to to commemorate that passing of the torch. It drew on a lot of different traditions because there were, you know, there were, it was multicultural. Right. I was there and I was part of that ceremony, so I kind of brought that native element to it. But Do they you were, sing? yeah, absolutely. Oh, beautiful. So yeah, I come from a, actually a very musical family. <laughs> well, that, okay, <laughs> a I, lot I of a lot of band members. I couldn't have organized that transition better. Yeah. Because your founder, uh, Seth Bernard. Is a musician, as you mentioned. Right. And he has a really epic, pretty dynamic song um, called Turkeys in the Rain. Yes. I don't know if you've ever heard that. It's a really good song. It's not my normal style of music. Yep. Well, really good. But there's also several musicians on the board. And yes. musician is seen as a healing medium, right? Right. So how big a part does music play in the overall uh, picture of title track? So for us, music is central in in many ways. It's not just musicians that we focus on because I have a a musical family, but I have a background in visual art. So I went to Interlochen for dance and theater and then ended up graduating from undergrad with a degree in in visual art. So we include that stuff as well. But um, I think with Seth's enthusiasm for music, that's why we've had so much influence with his connections. Right. And one thing that we do, and most people don't know this, unless they've been to one of our meetings, you know, we open up, like our board meetings, we open up with a song and end with a song. That's awesome. Now, a yeah. song you listen to, or do you participate? Somebody plays. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Live yeah. song? Sure. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. And and sometimes it's a poem. I've done, you know, native singing before for them and, you know, or an indigenous song for them and they've appreciated that um, or something non-indigenous, you know, and we've also read from indigenous uh, writers, poets before. And, you know, it's, wow. we have a lot of fun with it. Your typical corporate board meeting, I think, uh, doesn't start like that. No. <laughs> Not a lot of who's got the PowerPoint and we're going to put this up and have a Danish if you want it. 
Yeah. Wow, our our work is, is very, it's very heart centered. And I think that it's also working on being anti-oppressive. So to, to do that, you really have to uplift and recognize that we're all human and that really all of this is about relationship and connection. So if you start off recognizing that, whether it's by song, by art, by prayer, by um, goodwill, you know, that, that's going to put you on the right foot right. for the work that you have to do. Well, a lot of those concepts are great connectors. Everybody can get behind that. And to start a meeting that way and to end a meeting that way, specifically, I think ending a meeting that way, because ending is usually like everybody just wants to leave and, and funnel out the door, but to have that, all right, we did something is a nice bookend to that. That's amazing. So you have a visual art and dance background and a legal background. How do those two marry with one another? You'd think they wouldn't, but I think maybe they do. They really do, actually. I, uh, when I was at Interlochen, like I said, I, I was there for dance and theater, both of which uh, require a great deal of discipline, long hours of training, and you really have to know how to focus yourself. So even though I didn't go on to be a, a dancer, I have actually been in production since then. Um, even while I was in law school, I would do things wow. within the arts. So hitting the books like in the movies and then... Dancing in the evenings. Sure, sure. It's a good or, movie, actually. You know, I was in a production of Grease in Chicago. And, wow. You know, I did stuff like that. Wait, wait, who'd you play? I was Jan. I was ah. a pink lady. Right. So, yeah, it was pretty funny. Did you have a guess as to who she was going to play? I didn't know if she was quite a Rizzo. <laughs> I tried out for Rizzo. And here's the thing. I wanted it really bad. And they gave it to someone who didn't even audition. She was in another production. And what? so when this, this woman came on, her name was... Um, was Catherine. She must have been a good fit then. She was it, she's yeah. an excellent singer, but I, yeah. I was ready to hate her. <laughs> and so I bumped of her off I bumped her off a bench uh, during our first rehearsal together. Oh. And we, we ended up being best friends. Of course. Well you yeah. established yeah. dominance and then yeah. <laughs> Oh she did it she did it right back and we were fast friends. So oh, okay. you know we were great. Yeah that's oh. what I did to Ryan when I first had him in the studio. Yeah he too. constantly shoves me off benches <laughs> yeah. and chairs. Yeah. And Greece was just uh added to the uh Library of Congress is a is a film of significant importance. Yeah, year. what but, really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. yeah. And if you think about it, it is. I mean, significant cultural importance and of yeah. Americana classism. It's and, uh, bizarre. Yeah. It's a bizarre. They fly away in a car at the end. That's uh, <laughs> sexism, misogyny. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. all yeah. in there. The the idea is change exactly who you are, and it it's all going to be fine. Right. Yeah. And to make that connection between the arts and what I do now. I think that the the rigors and, and the discipline and the focus that I learned in the arts helped me be, become a lawyer. You know, I I needed that stuff to to know how to study for hours. I needed that to feel comfortable advocating and speaking. And I really think it it helps me. I always say I'm never afraid to be in front of a crowd. I mean, rarely yeah, am I, I afraid to be in front of a I crowd. I actually just got done telling a friend whose uh, young daughter is interested in acting and interested in podcasting, actually. And I had said that I think every child should have some experience with that because i think it really translates in the professional world and, and every other thing i mean 100 uh ryan you've got a sales background you know it, well, it, to, it has to, everything to do with, to with instilling and, confidence yep in, in performance and you know if you're in a theater production it's you and a whole bunch of people if you're a soloist it's you and you know if you're in a band it's you and three other people but it instills confidence and i think you know confidence without arrogance is a, is a good thing. Right. And I do think that my focus in the arts, and, you know, I have a degree in anthropology as well, 
I came to and wait, wait, wait. That I didn't. That I didn't find. Anything my, my, else? <laughs> my research team did not uncover this. You How hit. many degrees do you have? Are we counting like nine? Uh, well, I have. Um, undergrad was, you know, art, social science, anthropology, and theater. So I had I had okay. two majors oh, and two okay. minors, and then I have a law degree, and I have done work. Post grad work as a judge. Are you from a family of like overachievers? Uh, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, we have like, a couple. Oh, everybody she was driven had, to this. Yeah, everybody is just never good <laughs> enough. You got to keep going, keep going. Well, we we have some accomplished people, but uh, you know, we also have some people that you know are living kind of normal day to day lives. Do you come being... from a very large family? I do. Okay. Yeah, I do, and I'm I'm thankful for my family. We've got you know we're on all ends of the spectrum, so it's been a great lesson for me as a person to grow up in my family. My mother was the very first person in the country to do what she did. So my mother um, was, is, was Susan Cashel. And um, she was the very first person, I believe, in her family to go to college. And she was a phlebotomist. And she began selling um, medical supplies and testing equipment. She was the very first woman to do that. And then she opened up Stryker Laboratories with Dr. Stryker, who was, you know, from the Kalamazoo family. Yeah. And that Stryker. Stryker, Stryker, Yeah, very first outpatient testing laboratory. We did the very first HIV testing in Michigan, as well as everything else. And then sold that to Damon Corporation, and and now you know it as Quest Diagnostics. Wow. Okay. Which is the premier (laughs) medical lab, you know, testing laboratory in the United States. I heard like the best sweep the leg guest because she just keeps on. (laughs) (laughs) So my mom was definitely an inspiration. Yeah. I have to give her kudos. I mean, she passed and I'm very proud of her. That's incredible. So yeah. And she started the children's garden here too as well. (laughs) So that's amazing. So title track focuses on three and I, I forgive, I call them pillars. You have water, equity, and youth. And just so the listeners understand, are those three elements kind of symbiotically aligned to create success, or did those come from passions from people, if that makes sense? They're definitely symbiotic. They're they're all forms of something that makes up a resilient community. You can't have youth empowerment with dirty water. You know, you can't have water being uplifted without recognizing the fact that it's so disparate on on people of color when uh, water systems go bad. You have to work all of those things together, and it, it's completely symbiotic. So some of the stuff that we get to do, it gives us a lot of freedom as well, because they, are, they seem so different, mm-hmm. yet on one hand, we were able to marry them. It, it, you know, and this is the funny thing, is when we first started this, when I was, you know, a board member, I remember I had just come back from Standing Rock. I was kind of tired. And Seth was asking me to be on this board. And I remembered listening to what he wanted to do and going, you know, that sounds really cool. I don't know how you're going to do it. <laughs> like, I really didn't, I didn't think much would happen because uh-huh. it just seemed like a lot to put into one title, just kind of like right. you're saying. And yet um, that first year, and, you know, we've kind of gotten past our first year and going into our second was super successful. He did some amazing things with it. And you came into being on Earth Day in 2019. Correct. Wow. Yeah. Now, the original founding was a couple on their wedding day. Right. So did you feel it important to mark the founding on an important day? I mean, Earth Day seems like a great choice. That was definitely symbolic, and it, and it was intentional. Very intentional. Yes. So what's interesting is 
your focus on youth empowerment. Mm-hmm. And empowerment is kind of a loaded word, you know, that, that could be seen in different ways. But I think the youth is a demographic that's really desirable to everybody. Everybody wants to get in on the ground floor, as it were, with humanity. And then you've got Xbox and PS5 and all that kind of stuff. So how hard is it in this current climate to engage young people in caring about the environment, about caring about clean water? It's easier than you think. Because youth are are interested in almost anything that you present to them a certain way. One of the things that we did very successfully is we approached the youth in Flint. And there were a lot of youth that were going to some different programs there, certainly suffering the effects of the Flint water system, certainly affected by impoverishment and sort of the flight, you know, out and of the And sorry to stop you. You brought, you brought up Flint. That's not been talked about in a while. Is it? That's a, it's good. Everything's fine or? Everything's not fine. Is there still work to be done? <laughs> no, there's still. Because you do not Flint hear about it anymore. Broken. Yeah, Flint yeah. is still broken. Uh, there's still a lot of people who are very sick. And it's still certainly going through impoverishment. Yeah, it's it's definitely worthy of talking about, and there's still a lot of work to be done in Flint. And are, are there people or organizations that you know of, sorry to put you on the spot on the ground, that are, are champions for that in that area or that you work with? Because you've got a lot of great partners. Yes. I really love Melissa Mays. She is a water activist there. I really love Amber Hassan. She's She's there. She's actually a poet, but she's kind of somebody who's down on the ground with that stuff and is really has spotlighted a lot of what's happening to Flint residents. There's We the People is, you know, is an organization that we partner with on in a Detroit. lot of stuff. They're in Detroit, but they they kind of spread out and help yeah, out in different sure. places. So there's there's quite a bit. It's interesting you've mentioned the melding of artists and activists in corporate and legal and all these different backgrounds. What about this particular space seems to bring so many different people together? About title track? Uh, in, in general, yeah. What you're doing, I mean, it seems like you're able to bring together a very diverse group of people working towards a common goal. Um, how do you keep that in the same direction in your position? Well, I think that's that's where creativity comes in. You know, if you have the freedom to be creative, you can widen those spaces. If you're open to meeting people where they're at and w- with what they have to present and accepting that, you know, then you're, then you're, you've got a lot, you know, there's, everybody has a lot to offer. Right. Well, what would you say to somebody who says they're not creative? You know what? It, it's, uh, is it possible somebody's really not creative and you'd be like, sorry. Well, I think there's different, <laughs> I think it, it depends on what you mean by creative. There's, there are many different forms of creativity. My husband likes to say that he can't sing, he can't carry a tune, he can't draw a picture. He would call himself uncreative and I he say- He thinks about literal crea- creating something. Right. Yeah. And and I say, and yet you're able to develop relationships with people and you're one of the funniest people I know. Yeah, and I know? I know your husband. Yes. And he has been called a sponge of useless information. <laughs> <laughs> and he's... I identify with that. Yes. I think that's a very likable quality it, in a person. It, it, it is, because the random facts... That... They're there for you when, they, when you need them. You could be having a down-in-the-dumps day, and this random fact... You know all the Bond women in the movies were dubbed by other actresses? That weird fact will just make you happy and get you through the day. <laughs> yeah, he, I always say there people have different forms of creativity. So it, it takes creativity and it takes patience and it takes all of those things to inspire good relationships. Right. It takes a lot of creativity to be a funny person, you know, oh, yeah. to, to come up with a witty joke and, and intelligence, you know. So it, it, there's a lot of that in everybody. 
Um, it just depends on what you, the way you look at it. Right. So. Oh. so we talked about partners. You've got a lot of great partners, including Crosshatch, Groundwork Center for Resilient Communities. We talked about We the People. How do you approach partnerships and what criteria is important to you in a partner? Well, for our organization, we look at, at alliance with our goals and that the way that we do things. We're not necessarily goal-oriented. We're, we're more value-centered. So we look at organizations that have values that align with ours. We look at organizations that are doing things really well, you know, that seem to be passionate about what they do and also advancing a, a goal of the common good. Right. Yeah. Now, your founding organization... Need to Want a Research and Education Center, a lot of their early work was founded on activism. Correct. Which is, is interesting. So does that carry through to title track? And in this environment, you know, where do those activities lie at this point? It, it really does carry through. Um, even though we're not a political organization and we don't endorse specific candidates, we do talk about issues. And, and part of what we do is we we allow um, artists and crafters and and artisans to um, express themselves and and become part of this to support an issue that they have. So, a lot of our our musicians, for example, are really passionate about water. We'll put on a show or sponsor a panel or something that reflects those issues. You know, so hey, can you come on and sing a song about the water? It seems like that's a natural connect, right? Yeah. To do music, poetry, mm-hmm. in order to, to galvanize, in order to raise money, in order to get people behind. And that's been, it's been like that forever. I mean, if you think about it, activists. Well, it, it takes storytellers. You exactly. Know, and and yeah. the poets. You got your Bob Dylans who, yeah. you know, it, and there's so many stories about how people have used their, their gifts for good. Yep. Yep. And maybe Arna's song is, you know, in the modern age that we're at, in the YouTube age, but. That's always been an interesting parallel, I think, using creativity to inspire positivity in the world and activism. And like Holly was saying, you know, positivity doesn't necessarily have to be partisan. Right. Just like this show, we bring on people that we would like to work with and that do focus on positive change in the world, in Mm -hmm. our society, and that it doesn't necessarily have to be partisan. Right. And I always say, you know, part of the, the power of creative practice is that when we, when we do have issues, when we do have struggles, when we do have things such as this pandemic, you know, that are affecting our community, um, I would say as a Native person, we just, when we're in the middle of like a, a hard thing, we just sing louder. You know, we yeah, pray harder. Right. We love harder. We, um, we make art, you know, more prolifically. And um, that's sort of what we're, we're doing you know, we're, we're singing louder. Right. Yeah. We're, um, we're inspiring artists to become part of doing this work. Exactly. We bring in people to help um, do songwriting classes with the youth. We're going to start a water protector training program for youth this year. Really? And, Where is that going to happen? And it's going to be indigenous inspired. Um, that's going to happen virtually to, to begin with. So, and as soon as we can branch out, we'll, we'll yeah. probably start it up. And I think the positivity is contagious. Yes. You know, and it, it attracts like minds and, and it's not hard to get people on board. Yeah. Um, and whenever we think about, you just mentioned the pandemic, it's hard with what we're going through, but to, to stop and think about what our elders and ancestors have been through and put up with, it's a small price to pay to get the world back on track. Yeah, and music has always been a, a core of that. Mm-hmm. And if you look at, you know, 
adversity and turmoil, that's always a good breeding ground for creativity, Mm -hmm. which seems a great place to settle next to your mission, which is amazing. So I see that Joe Short is a board member of yours. Yes. (laughs) And obviously clean water is very important to the beer business. How did that union happen? Well, you know, I always say, you know, if you don't have clean water, you don't have beer, right? <laughs> but Joe, Joe's been passionate about clean water in addition to, you know, beer for a long time. And he's a musician. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that title track appealed to him because of of all of those things that he loves and that he's passionate about. He came on as a board member um, through Seth. So, you know, Seth kind of picked him out and said, I know you'd, you'd be good at this. And he, sure enough, he has, you know, one of the really cool things that, that he chaired and sort of was leading up was craft libations for collective uh, liberation, which is a program through Title Track where we've inspired uh, the breweries to start going through racial justice training. Wow. And so that they could spread that amongst their employees and on within their communities. And we, we started there with the breweries because of Joe. You know, because Joe is part of that beautiful community of um, brewers who are making craft beers and craft, I guess, libations, it would be called. Uh, It doesn't matter that, for example, I don't drink. You know, what matters is that's his passion. And there's a lot of people that are passionate about the subject of racial justice. So they're fundraising, they're doing trainings, and it's, you know, it's been a very great and successful program. So, and not to get too technical... But I know a lot of companies have diversity requirements. Mm-hmm. Is there a difference between diversity training and racial justice training? Absolutely. <laughs> so diversity training, I, I would say, is very 80s. Um, diversity training really just talked about... It's really neon, is what you're saying? Yeah, it's pretty much. You know, it's That was really focused on, um, okay, we're going to teach people from a white framework You know that there are people with differences than you, and that's not a bad thing. You know, so it was really about teaching tolerance and then also telling them, you know, you can't say these things around people or you're going to get in trouble. What um, anti-racism is, is goes a little further because it requires people to examine themselves and find out what their biases are. What is it that you hold inside that you may or may not know about that can be harmful or oppressive to people around you? That's heavy. I yeah. mean, that's it, a, that's a big is, concept. And it's a lot of us don't realize it about ourselves and that's that's okay as long as when things are brought to light you're able to look yeah i, I can imagine that could be tough that. for some people and here's too. the thing every single person in the united states who's who's been through our school system has been taught racism has been taught to be racist because it's within our system that's where we talk about these things like hey i bet you didn't you know you probably didn't know this if you really knew what the meaning of Thanksgiving was and how it started, you might think differently about celebrating that, you know, as a holiday for your family mm-hmm. or maybe celebrating it differently. Celebrating it differently. You know, it's about bringing that that realization around internally, and it's also about healing people. So, you know, we believe that both sides, you know, of any issue regarding racial justice need to be healed. White people have hurt their own hearts by participating in white supremacy. There's a healing that needs to take place, whether they think so or not, you know, in order for them to be able to connect and be open to all people. Right. Because um, it's a lonely place to be. If you regard a whole other group of people as something that's negative, you know, that shuts you off to relationships yeah. and opportunity. 
So we believe that needs to be healed. And we also need to heal from that. You know, then we come together and, and move forward. She's amazing. That's why I really was excited to get you on the show and have you come <laughs> in and you. talk about it. So you talked about COVID and a lot of people like to try to find the silver lining if it exists and see the positive. So a lot of things that I've been reading are less people out, less exhaust on the roads. Has any of this last year been good for water in general? Has, has less people outside, has there been any positive influence to our water because of COVID? I, you know, it, it's... I guess you're not a scientist. You yeah, don't have no, the biology behind it. I would, I would have it, to but. say, no, I, I, I would agree with that. I mean, it, it's unfortunate to say that, but the fact that people are less active, not driving around as much, they're not using as much energy, not polluting as much, has had an, a positive effect on our entire environment. Yeah, I mean, there's some people, friends of mine who said like, does the sky look a little bluer to you? Yep. And I kind of choose to believe that yeah. <laughs> in there, a weird way. There, it said that there was a noticeable change in the air quality mm-hmm. and as well as... The in places be- like India, very, very... And the behaviors, of, uh, the behaviors of wildlife. Okay. Yeah, and, and we've seen wildlife come back to some places that were, you know, you saw pictures of like deer walking on the shore or downtown in some cities right. that were, were closed up due to mm-hmm. quarantine. And people were amazed. And I'm like, what? You didn't know they were there? It must you have know? been interesting for the animals. <laughs> they're like everything forever and ever. And then for a couple of weeks, they're like, no oh, oh. people out. Yeah, we feel safe. Like, should we, let's go <laughs> check out downtown Traverse City, dude. And what heard does about that, Fustinis. What does that say about us, that animals stay away from us? Yeah. Well, you know, as we uh, urban sprawl, there is more and more sightings of animals that have lost their habitat that are just looking for something to eat in town. Right. Well, if you, if you look at a lot of, there, there's some books about this uh, movie, like 12 monkeys. The first thing that happens is nature takes back the earth and doesn't look like a terrible thing. No. So what is the best way for anyone interested in supporting title track, looking for volunteer opportunities, even if it's just virtual to donate, what's the best way to contact you and support title track? So go to titletrackmichigan.org and take a look at what we have to offer. There's programs there. Um, Right now, most of our offerings are with racial justice training. And we're finishing up our last cohort for the year, and then we're going to start back up again in February. But um, we also, you know, provide those youth trainings and we provide, um, you know, opportunities for artists to be supported too. Right. So um, we've got our fingers in a lot of different things, so it's almost hard to quantify. But like another part of our program that we're doing this year is um, we're going to be showcasing Indigenous artists for this year and doing kind of a fundraiser for a print and things like that and, and making sure people get to know who they are Wow! and hopefully supporting their work. We're going to be hopefully doing that you know, for years to come with different people. We're going to be still doing skill swaps like we do every year. Uh, we work hand in hand, of course, with the harvest gathering and earthworks. We do a lot of really, really fun and amazing things. So, awesome. and just... if and maybe this isn't your wheelhouse, sorry, but if a company, a local or otherwise, wanted to include racial justice training in their in their organization, could they reach out to you Absolutely. either for resources or to do it? Yep, we're directly? we're trying to we're, right now. We're in the process of customizing programs for organizations. So we're working. For example, we've made offerings to the Traverse City Police Department, and we're um, we've been asked by 
the Leelanau County Sheriff for something similar. Yeah, we're we're open to all of it. I you know, I knew this podcast would be just wonderful and affirming and we're not that many episodes in, but wow. This has been tremendous. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Holly, thank you so much for your pursuits and to all those who pursue along with you. And to the listeners, thank you all for listening and pursuing the positive. Thank you so much. Miigwech. Yep, miigwech for what you're doing as well. Thank you for listening one more time with the Pursuit of Podcast. For more information and to get involved with Title Track, go to titletrackmichigan.org. Also, Kachimi Gwech, much thanks to our supporters, Urban Meds, Traverse City, Michigan, H&MWellnessStore.com, and a huge shout out to Tin Lid Hat Company, TinLidCo.com. Use promo code ThePursuitOf on both websites for an exclusive discount to our listeners. Thank you so much. All feedback is appreciated, and we hope you join us on the next one.